T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. In recent years, conversations of people deeming their pet an emotional support animal, or a surface animal, has been on the rise. It seems with the internet at our fingertips, people are interested in convenient ways to keep their furry friends by their side, wherever they go. But do you know what it actually takes for a four-legged fuzzy friend to be considered a service animal? I'm your host, Ariel Ravenet, and today we take a look at what a service animal actually is and how people who lie about their pet being a service animal actually affects those who need one. Hold on to your leashes, and let's get looped in Chicago. If you type in service animal certificate into Google, there are a lot of options that pop up. The ones that caught my eye are sponsored sites proclaiming, get your pet registered as a service animal in 24 to 48 hours, or certify your dog in minutes. Their webpages give examples of what this certificate can do for you, like eliminate pet rent or bring your dog into any restaurant. You can even buy a variety of service animal vests online to match that quick and easy certificate. But what exactly is the difference between a pet, an emotional support animal, and a service one? I spoke with Donna Costner, Community Outreach and Client Specialist for the nonprofit Pause Giving Independence, or PGI. Their organization trains surface dogs for individuals with disabilities that need assistance with mobility and offer their services free of charge. The two things that make it a service dog are that you have to have a disability and the dog has to be trained to task to that disability. So just having a dog that, well, I have you know trouble picking up the remote, that's not a real disability, that's an inconvenience. So they need to be trained specifically to task, which is the difference between an emotional support dog, which just provides comfort, and a psychiatric service dog, which is actually trained to do deep pressure and blocking and helping with transition, stopping harming behavior. So it's under ADA law, that's what's required for them to be considered a service dog. So it's fairly understood that there are mental health benefits to owning and caring for a pet. I know firsthand the comfort that my cat Pepper can bring me from just sitting next to me on the couch after a hard day but she isn't the most reliable source of help. There's a lot more to a service animal than just being a loving companion or having an emotional attachment to a pet. The purpose of a service dog, trained to perform specific tasks, is to give folks that are differently abled more autonomy. The purpose of having a service dog is to try to make a person more independent and also to give the caregivers um, kind of some comfort knowing they're taken care of. So for a medical response, like something from a seizure, 
the dog can either be trained to stay with them so they're not injured during the seizure or to go find some help within the home or the workplace to let them know a seizure is happening. So that provides help for the recipient and then it also provides comfort for the parents to know that um, the dog is watching over them when they can't. So how long does it take for a service animal to be fully trained to care for their owner in these specific ways? I spoke with Michelle Yoon, one of the founders for PGI and a dog trainer for their organization. So it's a little bit variable, but on average, our dogs will train for about 15 months, start to finish. So they start out as puppy raisers, or in a puppy raiser home rather, and they kind of do all the basic puppy stuff, your housebreaking, your um, basic obedience, things like that. And then from there, they go on to start more advanced skill training and medical clearances, and then they do their public work and then the work for their person at the end. So... Again, we do mainly mobility work, so wheelchairs, balance, and then we do some medical alert service dogs as well for seizures or other conditions. The American Disabilities Act, or the ADA, protects service animals as a right for those who need them. While there are free organizations like PGI, paying out of pocket for a service dog can cost anywhere between $15,000 to $30,000. But a cool thing is, a service animal doesn't legally need to be raised through a facility in order to reach service animal status. They can be self-taught, but they still require intense training. For instance, they need to pass public behavioral and performance tests and must be able to faithfully perform the task repeatedly. And legally, too, you can also self-train your service dog, but we do usually suggest that you have an educated trainer who knows what they're doing assisting you with that process. Because even for programs that have done, you know, 200, 300 plus dogs, it's not an exact science and, you know, not every dog is cut out for it. So it is important to really know what you're doing, understand what you're doing, because there is a liability to it and you want the dog to be happy as well with the job. Now, if you have a dog in your life, you may be thinking, how does one train an animal to be able to alert a person of an oncoming seizure or how to respond to one? The answer is pretty interesting. When it comes to alert dogs, they can be scent trained. So an organization might acquire samples of a person before, during, and after a seizure so that they can train the dog to know what the change in chemistry for that person smells like. And when they smell it, they will alert the person to sit down or take medicine. PGI doesn't train seizure alert dogs, but they do train seizure response dogs. These pooches are trained to recognize body cues. So basically, they know that their person is having a seizure and can summon help or provide stimulation. Michelle says their organization currently has 24 dogs in training. But I had to know, what happens to the good pups that aren't cut out for this career? We definitely temperament test all the way through the training. So, you know, we have a litter of puppies. Um, you know, we're going to be looking for confident but not overly dominant puppies that, you know, respond pretty well to food and motivation. And then as they go through the training to, um, you know, obviously low reactability to people and dogs and new items, um, low stress in new situations because eventually they're on buses and trains and airplanes. We want them to be social, but not, you know, overly social because they are in public, but you don't want them going up to everybody at the grocery store. Um, but we want them comfortable around people. But it is a lot of stress if we're asking them to go on buses and airplanes and in and out of schools and buildings and things. So if we feel like, you know, it's too high stress on the dog or the dog's not enjoying it or the dog can't 
reliably perform the job in those different settings, then we will career change them to a different role. And we also place facility dogs. So they work at schools or rehab centers or courthouses. So sometimes if I have a dog that, for example, is, you know, nervous on public transportation, well, he could still be a great facility dog at a school. So sometimes we still have working roles. And if not, like I said, they get career changed to a pet. So Michelle mentioned these dogs in training can become a facility dog. But what does that mean exactly? I spoke with Megan Hartnett, a certified child life specialist and the handler of Tyra, a three-year-old blonde lab working at Rush Children's Hospital. Tyra's special because she's also the very first service dog to work in a Chicago children's hospital. So Tyra is trained in all the commands that a service dog is trained in. She works in a facility such as a hospital or a school to provide services to patients in that facility. So she is trained to walk with patients after surgery to motivate them to get up and move. If a patient needs to work on range of motion, they can play fetch with her. If a patient is having a procedure done, she can be in the bed to help with distraction and provide that support. If a patient is anxious about having their vitals taken, the doctors can take Tyra's vitals first and show the patients how it goes and what it's going to look like. She can pull wagons, she can push buttons, she can open doors. So pretty much anything to help the children in the hospital kind of make them a bit more comfortable. Tyra came from the organization Canine Companions in Ohio and has been accompanying children on Rush for the last year and a half. I was curious about what Megan's role as her handler looks like. As a certified child life specialist, that is still my role but my role is now that I work with Tyra. So Tyra is just an extension of what I do as a child life specialist, which is provide interventions, psychosocial, emotional interventions to patients to help them navigate the hospital experience. I also am in charge of her well-being, so making sure she has breaks throughout the day, making sure she gets out and taking some walks. And um, just like you and I feel human emotions. Tyra also has emotions and feels. And so, you know, if we have a particularly hard day, like she supports patients and families during bereavements and end of life situations on those days, making sure that we take a step back and have some time just for her at the end of the day. So that way we're playing, playing fetch in the hallway, going for a walk. So that way she's ready to return to work the next day. Megan and Tyra's relationship is a tad different than a person with a disability who has a service dog. For one, Tyra is trained to provide tasks for a myriad of people a day, not just a singular caregiver. And when she goes home, she doesn't have to perform specific tasks for Megan's well-being. Rush received a grant from the Joy and Childhood Foundation through Dunkin' Donuts to get a facility dog. And once they applied to Canine Companions, they had to wait a year while she got trained before meeting her. Then, Megan flew to Ohio, did some training, and brought her home. I can imagine it'd be intimidating to finally meet and have this well-trained animal on your couch, like responsible for children's well-being. But then also, you are responsible for their well-being. So I asked Megan what those initial weeks felt like. The two of us being brand new and I came home and I was like, I have this highly trained dog and what if I ruin it? <laughs> and so, kind of being like a parent for the very first time of having this newborn, right? Except for it's a two-year-old dog. But, <laughs> but really smart. Like, <laughs> but like, that is intimidating. Yeah. So it was stressful at first. And now, you know, the it's, it was really cool to see the bond between us grow and like, how it still even now continues to grow and how trusting she is of me and like how snuggly she needs to be. Like even right now, like she's touching me. We all, we're always touching. <laughs> like, yeah. 
Tyra, in Megan's words, is loved by all. The kids who see her report that they've benefited from her support. And even the staff at Rush get something out of her being there. The kids love seeing Tyra. They love working with her. Um, you know, there are some long-term patients that we follow that we go and visit every day and they get super excited to see her. You know, it's something to break up the monotony of the hospital as well. And even staff, like, walking through the hallways, there's a lot of, hi, Tyra. Nobody knows my name, which is fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we do provide... Um, staff support as well because we do know that just like for patients right petting a dog can actually lower um, blood pressure your heart rate all of that same for staff and um, burnout actually having the uh, ability to take a break from their work and be able to say hi to Tyra or have that break with Tyra helps them go back to work in a more positive light so we've covered the differences between a pet and a service animal, but how does lying about your dog's certification affect those with trained service dogs? When people allow your dog in and you claim they're a service animal when they're not to gain access and that your dog is not acting appropriately, it makes it harder for future truly tasked trained service dogs. It's so sad. Like it really deep, like I can't describe how deeply it actually hurts me. And people really truly believe it's a victimless crime when it's not. When we come back from the break, we'll talk with TikToker Candace Camper about life with her service dog, Clea. Stay tuned. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. When you apply for a service dog, it can take a long time to get one. In Candace's case, it took her two years after she applied to receive her service dog, Clea. But now that she has her, Candace can't imagine life without her. I would like to acknowledge for the audience that we will not be going in depth on what exactly Candace's disabilities are because they aren't pertinent to the story. Instead, we'll focus on tasks Clea is trained to perform. So Clea is a medical mobility service dog. So she has she does a medical alert and response task and she also has mobility tasks like four moments of pulling and balance support. She's also able to, at home when I need her help, she's able to help me at home by getting a drink, getting medicine, getting help from my husband if necessary. And yes, those are some of her tasks. And some of them can be a little complicated to explain because they were customized for me and my medical condition. Clea has been with Candace for three years now. They even have an active TikTok channel, Candace and Clea, where she gives insight to their life together. She told me that before having Clea, her family and friends would be worried about her going out alone. But now, she has a lot more independence and they have peace of mind. I feel so much safer. And when I first got Clea, it was even for me, it was like, they had talked about in the beginning how it's an important bonding process where your service dog needs to bond with you and you guys have to build trust with each other. And I never knew how much you could trust a dog. <laughs> but sometimes I trust her way more than I even trust myself. <laughs> it's because if I feel like, oh, I might be feeling okay, so it's like, oh, you may feel okay, okay now, but in a couple minutes you won't. So I need you to sit down. Or I need you to take medicine. <laughs> and anytime I've ever waited out, she has always been right. 
Though she's very happy to have Clea in her life now, Candace was hesitant about having a dog at first. My doctors were the first ones who recommended getting a service dog, and I couldn't necessarily see that for me. I was nervous about it. Uh, it took some convincing uh, and a lot of research to finally make the decision. Initially, I was looking up um, what service dogs could, how service dogs could help people with my condition. I'm like, oh, um, I don't want a dog licking my lips. I don't want a dog. <laughs> and things like that. Very silly reasons for not knowing if a service dog was a good fit. But after doing a lot of research, looking at different organizations, that really made me go ahead and start the process of getting a service dog. <laughs> Up to one in four adults in America are living with some kind of disability. As we've established, service dogs help bring these individuals autonomy. Because of how crucial their help is, the ADA recognizes service animals as medical equipment. So even though we have laws in America that state businesses are allowed to refuse service to anyone, service animals are legally exempt from that rule. So, how can a business legally establish that a person's service animal is legit? Here's Michelle and Donna again. Businesses can ask two questions. If they see somebody, they can ask, is it a service dog? And the person can say yes or no. And then they can ask, is it trained to perform tasks? And if those answers are yes, then the business has to allow the dog in. And like we said, your medical records are private, so yeah. nobody should have to explain. And if they ask you why, they're not allowed to do that, and nor they should be. None of us want to talk about our medical issues with somebody we don't know. Candace enjoys an active life in the city, navigating a public transit, exploring shops, and going out to eat with friends and her husband. So I asked her how it feels to be asked questions about Clea when she's just going about her day. And it can be so embarrassing and frustrating when I'm out with family and I just want to blend in. And once we get into the restaurant, people don't even know Clea is there. There's so many times where people don't even know there's a dog in the restaurant or store until we're leaving. And they're like, oh, there's been a dog here the whole time. The dog is so behaved, so well behaved. I'm like, that's exactly how service dogs are supposed to be trained. On Candace's TikTok, there's even videos of businesses questioning Clea's validity as a service animal, or just completely refusing her service. I wanted to know why she thinks that happens. One reason why I think that I have a lot of access issues is because there are people that try to get their pets into places by claiming they're a service dog when they're not, and they don't have any service dog training or training to navigate public. And so because businesses are afraid to ask the two, like they are, they have two questions that are legally able to ask. They don't think they have a legal right to ask those questions or they're asking the wrong question. We're still having this issue of people bringing pets in places they shouldn't be and then maybe doing things that real task trained service dogs wouldn't do. So it gives service dogs a bad name. Remember those sites I mentioned at the top of the episode? Well, it turns out when people lie about their pets' duties or certifications in order to just bring them to lunch at a nice restaurant, it causes those with real service dogs more interrogation by business workers. Candace told me about a time that was especially hard for her. As soon as I get to the counter, the employee is like, oh, we don't allow any dogs. I'm like, oh, she's a service dog. And he's like, yeah, okay, well, do you have the card? I'm like, okay, there's no universal card that service dog handlers would have. So what card are you looking for? Because I do personally know there are cards online that people may buy for their pet to show to gain access when their dog has no training and businesses aren't well trained. They'll take it for what it is and just allow them in. 
I explained, oh, she's a task trained service dog. I'll let you know what task she's trying to perform. She, I am disabled. She's trying to help me. She's trained from a program. I'm explaining. He's like, okay, but I can't let you in until you, unless you show me a card. And somebody noticed there was already a dog in the restaurant. And so I'm like, excuse me, like this doesn't make any sense. There's a dog over here in the restaurant that was not behaving. And he said, oh, they have a card, but they have a card. You need to have a card. <laughs> It was so embarrassing and it was so frustrating. And so that's an experience that I don't think is fair. So if the law states that service animals are medical equipment and must be allowed in, and only two questions are legally required to be asked of the handler, then what happens when an establishment denies a person their legal right of entry? Well, the answer isn't as simple as one might think. According to the ADA website, you can file a complaint with the Department of Justice or file a private lawsuit in court based on discrimination. But either way, Candace says the burden to right this wrong falls on the disabled person. It's no secret that no matter how well-trained or important these dogs are, they're still cute. So what is the proper etiquette one should have around a working surface animal? I asked Donna and Candace what they think the average person should know when it comes to interacting with a service dog in public. If you're in a store, in a movie theater or a restaurant and a dog moves in, you know, training people don't interact with that team at all. That dog is focused on that person for whatever the reason is. And we have so much trouble with people coming up and wanting to pet the dog and asking questions about the dog and kind of distracting the dog. And obviously, if somebody is balancing on them or if the dog is watching for a seizure, if they're distracted because somebody's petting them, they could miss that cue and that person could be injured or, you know, whatever because of it. I just want people to respect service dog teams and their job. It makes me so happy when people allow me to just navigate life and go on life and respect my space, respect my service dog, and just allow me to be integrated into society with my service dog, with my lifeline and my accommodation. <laughs> and when, I appreciate when people talk directly to me and ignore my service dog. When people feel entitled to my medical information and all the different aspects of my disability, it makes me feel like you don't think I deserve to be accommodated and live well and navigate life with a dog that's trained to help me. Getting a service dog isn't the easiest process. Even in my research for this episode, it was hard to know where to start when it came to reliable information. So I asked Candace, what advice would you give someone with a disability who needed a service animal? I think first you should research the uh, options that are available for you. You can own a train, you can go through a private program, try to really find, discover what it is that you need, and then try to find uh, which route will best align with your needs. If you already have a dog that you think could be a good service dog or would be a good candidate and you're disabled, maybe find a trainer, get an evaluation to see if your dog has what it takes to be a service dog. And then maybe um, find out what tasks will help you and get your dog trained those tasks so they can truly help you. I just recommend if you need help or if you have questions, feel free to ask people who have service animals already. Donna and Michelle suggest a person may be able to start with the Dogs International website or the ADA for more information on what organizations are accredited for their service because there are scams beyond just a paper certificate out there. 
So they find somebody online that tells them, oh, we'll have a dog for you in two weeks if you fundraise, you know, so many dollars. And a lot of people fall for that. I actually had somebody call me last week. He fundraised $18,000 for a puppy. The breeder said that he would train this puppy to be a service dog. He did get the puppy, but now the trainer is, the breeder is saying, I'm not going to train it for you. So he has this $18,000 puppy that is just a puppy. Just because it says it's a program, you do want to do your research search to make sure it isn't somebody, you know, trying to scam you. If they say they're going to have it quickly or asking for large amounts of money up front, especially, they can check with the attorney general of their state to see if there's complaints against those companies, you know, and report things like that, because you wouldn't think somebody would do that. But if there's a chance of making a profit off of something, there are people that, you know, don't care about that. And it's very sad. At the end of the day, Living with a disability can sometimes be scary and lonely. So these dogs offer more than aid, they're companions. I think sometimes people assume that because we get service dogs trained to help us that we don't care about them as a dog and we don't care about their well-being. We just care about the help that we receive. And that's just not true at all. But she is truly my best friend and she's my lifeline. Like honestly, she's, she's saved more of my life multiple times. And so uh, I really, I'm really grateful for her. Thanks for listening to this episode of Looped in Chicago. To see photos of the service dogs mentioned throughout this episode, check out our Instagram at WBBM Podcasts. This episode was hosted by me, Ariel Ravenet, produced and edited by myself and Jim Hankey. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and follow us on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Plus, follow us on social media at WBBM Podcasts. We'll get you looped in again back here next week. See you then. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal. So why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh, oh. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.